Hey everyone, welcome back to Apex Mind, the show that is breaking down the gatekeeping and silos that plague the talent development space in order to help you to develop your people to perform better. My name is Adam McDaniel, and I've worked in a variety of roles at multiple companies over the last 15 years in people development. What I've noticed is that many of the traditional activities and deliverables associated with the training enablement teams are not driving business performance as well as they should be. Today's episode is the first in a series. We will be diving into the various roles that anybody who leads training sessions will occupy. This series is going to be ideal for people, maybe people that don't work in a formal L&D space, but they lead training sessions, business leaders, small business owners, um, subject matter experts that we know are leading training sessions. Also, this would be great for people who are new into training or enablement roles. Um, and lastly, if you've been in the training or L&D space for a long period of time, you're very tenured and you just want to brush up your skills, this series will also be for you to make sure that you are um, occupying each of these important roles as you lead training sessions. So this week's, as I said, is the first part in the series. And the first role of anybody who leads training sessions, something that we're calling the host. So we all know somebody who is an amazing host. Uh, every time, you know, if you can think of this person, every time that they have people over, it's an engaging and it's a fun event for everybody who's been invited. Now, on the flip side of this, we've also probably been to events or get-togethers that were poorly hosted. Maybe there's not enough things to do. The refreshments were not uh, handled well. There's not enough of them, maybe. Maybe the music isn't setting the, the mood right. Um, for the purposes of this, I want to have a name. So my ideal host is going to be named Rachel. And the reason why, I don't think she listens to the show. But I have a cousin named Rachel who she loves to host events and she always makes sure it's a great time for everyone. So every time I'm referencing the host, just think of Rachel here. Um, but, you know, really, when we think of a, a training session, anybody who's leading a training session, whether it be maybe it's a short little um, micro session that you're having with a small uh, group of people, maybe it's a longer program that might be several hours or a day or multiple days. It could even be virtual or in person. No, it doesn't matter what those variables are. Everybody has to play the host in those situations. And hosting the participants is a very important role. It's it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook or they they don't put much time into. But if you take the um, things that we're going to be talking about on this episode and you incorporate them when you're hosting people into your learning sessions, I promise you these things don't really take a ton of time or effort. But if you just think through these People are going to feel more comfortable and the end result will, will be they will take away more from the learning session and thus perform better and uh, execute more on what they learned in the session. So let's start off before we get into the, the best ways to be a host. You know, I'm sure we're all familiar with Maslow's hierarchy. If you're not familiar with it, I recommend looking it up. This is a commonly referred to thing in business circles or in psychology, just in general, when talking about humans. Now, I'm not going to go over the whole hierarchy, which is shaped like a pyramid, but you know, the base of the pyramid is, is the most, the largest sections of it and the things that hold everything else up. 
And so that base layer is called the psychological layer, which includes things like food, water, warmth, and rest. The layer right above that is called safety needs, which uh, consists of things that that fall under safety and security. I'm not going to really go any farther up the hierarchy because really just those two areas there are what are mainly, um, mainly controlled when you're in that host role. And so those, those things, if, if your psychological needs and your safety needs are not being met, all those higher level things that kind of help with belonging and learning and executing things, those aren't going to matter if you don't have your psychological, I'm sorry, physiological needs or safety needs taken care of. So I highlight that because that's why this role is so important. If, if we're neglecting those needs, then really all the other things that we're doing are not as important because if pe- people need those things to be taken care of before they can start thinking of their higher order needs. So let's jump into the things to think about when you are a host so that you can make sure that you're meeting those, those actual human Uh, psychological needs for the people that are attending your learning sessions. So the first thing to consider when you're a host is the location. So just like my cousin Rachel or really any good host, the location has to be prepared and set up properly for the event. If you've ever been to an event that's at somebody's house or at a a third-party location, another location, there's a very big difference between that of that location being set up properly, communicated to people, um, welcoming things of those natures, um, you know that that helps to set the stage and the mood for the actual event. And so, when we think about um, a learning session, and I'll separate this specifically into in person and virtual because there are some different considerations for the two. But either way, whether it's in person or virtual, that location. It has to be set up properly for the people you're hosting in the learning session. So starting off with a uh, face-to-face, in-person learning session. So first off, we want to secure the location. You got to have a place and it has to be potentially scheduled, um, booked out, and and ready. Um, The next thing after that, once it's secured, ensure people can get there. Don't assume that they know. Um, especially now with with more global dispersed workforces, maybe you have a hybrid work environment where people are often working from home. They may not be as familiar with the office that they're going into, or maybe you're hosting at a uh, place outside of your company's business. You might be hosting in a hotel or an office space that's that's not owned by your company. So um, I I've seen very successful techniques where. The invite actually has maybe a map or a very specific direction. Um, I, I know that I once went to a training where it was at an office and I had already worked for this company for a good period of time, but it was an office I hadn't been to. And and you get in and the security guard maybe couldn't get you to where you needed to go. And you're walking around trying to find the location. It's really not a good start to the day and it gives you some stress to start off the day. So ensure people know how to get to the place where the training session will be. Um, when, when we think about the physical location, try to make it as free of noise and other distractions as possible. Um, you know, obviously this depends on the situation and, you know, the, the actual building you're at and 
a lot of other variables, but try to have those other distractions out of the way if you can. Um, at that physical location, ensure things work. Test the technology, whether this be the projector, the lights, um, maybe if there's computer stations that your people that are coming to it are, are going to be using, but just make sure the technology works. You don't want to be wasting time. Um, I used to do a lot of training in uh, brand new offices, um, worksite launches, and sometimes these were things that I didn't have a ton of control over, but I would still always try to do my best for troubleshooting it because that could save time. And if, if things were breaking at the start of the session, that could take a really long time to fix right off the bat. And not only does that take your time, but it also makes people lose a little bit of respect for what they're about to learn because they're watching you mess with computers and such. So I know with Maslow's hierarchy, that, that base layer we talked about was the physiological needs, food, water, warmth, rest. A lot of those things we don't really think are within our control. We can't control what they had for breakfast or what they ate the previous night. We can't necessarily control their sleep. We might have some control over schedule though. So if, if we can, I, I'm typically a fan of avoiding things that are too early in the morning because there are some people who aren't big fans of early morning sessions um, or too late at night. Um, I, I've, I've done schedules all over the 24-hour clock in past jobs. I've had schedules in the middle of the night. I've had schedules late at night and early in the morning. But ideally, you want it to be at a time where people are going to be alert and, and rested and ready to learn. Now, when it comes to, to food, um, depending on, obviously, the culture and, and the, the rules in, in the business you're supporting, you may or may not have food or snacks or beverages provided. Um, th these are all just guidelines. Obviously, this is up to you to set these out. But I, I would be very cautious about what types of food you're giving out. I would, if, if, if a lunch is being served, really try to avoid something that's real heavy with a lot of like real heavy carbs associated with it. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to sessions where you have this big lunch and then after eating this gigantic lunch, people come back into the session and, and they want to sleep. I mean, th there was even a term, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but there was like this joking term called the post-lunch coma that I've heard a lot of trainers say. And let's try to avoid that. Let's try to not have people waste that 30 minutes to an hour after lunch where they're digesting and have something a little bit lighter and easier to digest for lunch. Um, my recommendation, and I know a lot of trainers might disagree with me on this, is to not give out candy or real sugar um, sugar-filled snacks during the session. I know it's a very easy reward for people, but sugar crash is a very real thing. So I'm not a big fan of giving out candy during the session. And then, you know, when it comes to those other kind of uh, physiological and safety needs, make sure people have access to beverages, water, and restrooms. Be, be very clear about that up front. We don't want people, especially if it's an unfamiliar office, walking around trying to figure that stuff out. Now let's shift to virtual. Um, this is something that I'm sure we're all doing at least some point this these days. So the location with virtual, make sure it's very clear where it's being hosted. What platform is it? Um, my recommendation is if you're sending out an invite with that link to the Zoom room, the Hangouts room, whatnot, that you also potentially have something where they can test the technology on their computer. Same thing with technology in a face-to-face. -face. You don't want them 
you know, spending a period of time of your session trying to figure out their virtual technology as well. And then um, with the virtual environment, this depends on your platform. Each platform has obviously different specific technologies, but all those same things that we just talked about, make sure that they know the lay of the land. I'm a big fan of giving a very brief kind of overview of the technology, the sections, how do they raise their hand, how do they interact with the chat box, things like that. Do a real brief overview at the beginning. Make sure, now, if you're doing virtual, you should absolutely be sharing your camera, but be conscious of what's what's in the background. If you have a very distracting background, maybe do the, the blur background feature, something like that. Make sure it's not distracting. Make sure the technology is working for everyone before you start. And then also consider like the varying bandwidth of different internet connections. So if someone's having maybe low bandwidth, maybe turn off your video if you have to, if you're interacting with, with folks who might have slower internet speeds or don't, don't uh, have as many features going at once. I know I, I once used Adobe Connect as a platform, which is a very feature-rich platform, but it's also a very bandwidth-intensive platform. So just be conscious of that depending on who your participants are. All right, so after we take care of that first item, which is the location, the second role of a host or the second duty of a host is to make people feel comfortable. So just like my perfect example, Rachel, when she has people over at her parties, she wants to make sure each group is feeling comfortable and they're having a good time checking in with them. They know what, you know, things are going on at the party and, and what they can do. The same type of idea as a host of a learning session, some of this does bleed into those things we just talked about in the location category, but specifically with making people feel comfortable, one thing that is important is balancing people's stress and apathy. And, and I don't necessarily think stress and apathy are on, on this spectrum, but I think most learning sessions, especially the virtual ones, People are a little too apathetic and bored. They're not engaged. Um, we'll get into in some future roles or future roles of a, a person leading a learning session, how you can be more engaging, but specifically just um, make sure people don't go too far into the stress category or too, too far into the apathy category. I'll talk about apathy first because I think that's a bigger problem for more people who lead learning sessions. So... You know, people are often too bored and disengaged. You know, we, we, like I said, we will talk about in the other roles, engagement techniques, but also consider depending on what their job role is, some people may not be happy being in the training session. Let's say someone who works in sales and they don't want to be away from selling. They think that being in training is a waste of their time. So certain people might feel apathetic because they feel like their time is being wasted. So be, be conscious of that and if you need to ensure that they're getting their value out of it or they know, know what the value is so that they have more reason to be invested and engaged. Now on the stress end, I, I would argue that most trainers or most people leading learning sessions don't add enough challenge. They don't push people enough. But in, in regards to, to stress, we definitely don't want to go too far. We don't want to stress people too much. Because people will not feel safe. They will not learn if they're too stressed. And so some, some ways or things that can lead to people feeling stressed in a learning session, first of all, too much challenge. Maybe you're expecting more of people. 
they might have just joined the company and you're expecting them to jump in or there are unclear instructions or expectations. Maybe the environment's unsafe. This is probably pretty rare in in, uh, professional environments, but I I know I've seen this before. Um, Working, I, I used to work in some call center spaces and you had people who, surprisingly enough at work, would even be, you know, they have some kind of beef from outside of work. And someone in there feels unsafe because there's another person there that might have threatened them outside of work. So just be aware of those types of things. Make sure people feel safe. Or I've even interacted with people who maybe they have something going on at home or something that is making them not feel feel safe at home. They come to work and that, that issue that's happening at home is still impacting them. A couple other things that can add to stress. Being sarcastic, and I know I say this, I'm a very sarcastic person in general, but um, maybe not um, being sarcastic towards the people in my learning sessions or doing anything at their expense. And then another thing that makes people stress is unclear expectations. So when setting things up, giving instructions, giving people time to work on things, just make sure it's very clear what they're supposed to do and, and how do they do it. Some ways to reduce stress. First of all, make sure it's a calm and comfortable environment. Maybe they come in and there's some some good music to set the stage. And then also just be engaging with them. We'll talk about engagement techniques later, but those things do help to reduce stress. The goal here should be to find the right mix. The goal um, would be to have people be both engaged and challenged at the same time and finding that, that balance so that People are neither checked out or apathetic, or we don't want to make sure that they're too challenged as well. All right, the third thing that you can do to be a good host is to treat your guests as adults. And what I mean by this is that, unfortunately, I see a lot of people who lead training sessions that think that they're a teacher and that it's a classroom environment. And that mentality leads people down this road where they are the adults and the people that are learning are children. And it, it really, the outcome of that is a lot of behaviors that really should not be happening in a room full of adults. So let's give some examples of some things that, that we want to do or not want to do. First off, generally, if people are a few minutes late, if people need to step out to take a phone call, as long as it's respectful and not being done too much, uh, maybe they need to go to the restroom or there's a, a really good reason why they have to leave early. I, I really don't think most of the time we should not be treating them as children. Um, you, you might have something at your company or maybe there's some compliance thing going on where you have to be a little bit more strict in certain areas. But in general, most of the time you can be flexible. And, and I really, really stress this because you're an adult and they're adults. And as long as someone's not abusing any kind of flexibility, Let's be flexible with them. They're going to appreciate it and they're going to walk away having a better feeling if you're treating them with respect in those types of situations. The next thing I would say is try to avoid people having to raise their hand like we're in a children's classroom or, and this is a personal pet peeve. I know some people might disagree on this, but I absolutely cannot stand when people have to read out loud like there's like text in some sort of training either on a slide or in 
in materials and you're asking people to read out loud, these are behaviors that come from children's school that adults shouldn't have to do. If people need to um, ask a question, they should just be able to ask a question. Or um, obviously virtually, it's a little differently, different because you don't want people talking over each other. So if you are training virtually, there usually is a hand raising feature and that's very effective. So I think the avoiding hand raising is more of an in-person thing, but the reading out loud, I, I just, I can't tolerate it. Um, have them read to themselves and have someone summarize it. It's so much better of a learning technique than someone reading a paragraph because the, the facts are when the person who's reading out loud, that person's not learning because they're just focusing on not messing up. And then everyone else isn't learning because they're just listening to that person, seeing if they're messing up. The reading out loud is absolutely terrible. And I think it should never be done. Um, the next thing, as far as treating guests as adults, show them respect. Um, that enough said there. Pull from their experiences, which we'll get more to this in the other training roles, but it is a really good technique to pull from people's personal experiences, but it also helps treat them as adults. And then lastly, find ways to stimulate the senses and to get, get people engaged. So um, if, if it's appropriate for the situation, have some kind of music in the background, either as they come in or in the background of activities. Um, you know, if you're doing a virtual training have sight and sound, you know, don't just rely on a screen share for virtual or a PowerPoint in face-to-face. -face. Have something that's a little bit more engaging than that um, so that it's not just a very uh, basic presentation. All right, our last thing that you can do to be a good host is to ensure your guests enjoy their stay. I mean, you think about guests for parties, whether it be uh, my perfect host, my cousin Rachel, or any other host you can think of that hosts really good events, they ensure that their guests enjoy their stay. Um, this is also one of those things that'll come up in the later roles. But as far as being a host, you know, just keep in mind, training does not have to be stuffy and boring. It, it's incredible to me that even now in 2022, how many trainings I've attended that are just dull, not interactive and are essentially an info dump lecture. Do not treat it like high school. I've seen this far too much, and I, I know we have listeners from all over the world. I've seen it a lot in, in some cultures outside the U.S. When I used to support um, folks in India a lot and in uh, the Caribbean, specifically in Jamaica, it, it just felt like it was a more traditional classroom experience where the trainer would lecture and the people learning were expected to sit there and listen. And it's just, that's not effective for adults. But bring in your personality. Um, don't be afraid to crack a joke or say something fun. Uh, obviously, this depends on the culture of the business you're working with. But I always lean towards adding more personality versus less. We'll, t we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about engagement. But just keep in mind that these are also part of being a good host, making sure people enjoy their stay. If people enjoy the um, learning session, they're more likely to learn more and they're more likely to, to apply it more later. Um, some other things that can help you with this are adding in stories. Um, I, I know I've been hinting at storytelling a lot on the show lately. Um, I, I'm working on getting a very exciting guest who's a storytelling expert to come on. Uh, but we'll, we'll be talking about storytelling more. I think it's a skill that we can all get better at. But stories are very memorable. Human beings have, 
you know, told things and learned things through story since, I mean, since mankind began many, many thousands of years ago, our, our ancestors were telling stories around the fire before we had any sort of technology. And that's how things were learned and how, how information was passed down. But I would also say, ensure your stories are relevant. Um, not just some fun story. I had a good friend who was a trainer with me when I first got into L and D many years ago. And this good friend, he had amazing stories, but there was never really like a lesson tied to what we were learning. They were just kind of like fun stories that he would tell. And, and yeah, that's, that's fine. I guess it was maybe a more of a brain break from the learning, but my recommendation would be to tie the story into the learning so that not only you can be engaging, but they can walk away from that with, with learning a little bit more. You can also pull stories from them. Um, so as we mentioned before, pulling experiences from your learners is highly effective and you can have them tell their, their stories of their experiences to see like what impacts they've had as well. All right, folks. So there you have it. That is the four things you can do to be a good host for your learners. Um, you know, the host role is for anybody who leads learning sessions. They, they should really master this. And just to recap the four parts of being a host, first, prepare your location. Second, make people comfortable. Third, treat your guests as adults. And last, ensure your guests and enjoy their stay. Like I said, some of these pieces will come up in, in the future parts of this series as well. Um, when we get into other roles of the trainer, more, more uh, tactical tactical ways you can execute on these. Um, but we'll get to those in future weeks. We also have quite a good number of interview guests coming up. So we'll be trading off between the interviews and the future parts of this series. But everybody, remember, we have new episodes launch every week. We have these shorter, actionable episodes that launch on Thursdays. And then we have the interviews that launch every Monday. Exciting to bring uh, a new interview guest to you next Monday. So if you have um, anyone that you'd like to hear from on the show right now, our best way to get that to me, if, if you're connected on Twitter or LinkedIn, feel free to send a message there. If you're not connected on those platforms and, and you don't have the ability to, we also have a uh, web form on our website that you can find in the show notes. Feel free to fill out that web form and drop some names of guests because I'm always looking to talk to cool people. But thank you for listening. Um, we'd really appreciate a couple of favors. First off, if you want to tell somebody about Apex Mind who would benefit from the show, that'll help us to, to grow the show and to get more people into the community. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Go and help someone to be better than they were yesterday, and I'll talk to you soon.